feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with the freak of flambe, Nick. The freak of flambe? <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, that's it's uh, uh, okay. That one left me speechless for some reason. Every time the word freak comes into play, I never know how to take it. See, I tried to say that. So last night, as you know, uh, Jameson <laughs> was helping me with some of your, you know, as she thought was the greatest joke ever, quote unquote, nicknames. I approve of that joke, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so she was firing out all of these things, and I'm like, "Well, I don't think you should put freak in it." And she's like, "Uh, you're trying to you're trying to damage my brilliance." And so I finally decided, "Okay, we're gonna put it in there." But yeah, that's I'm gonna give credit now. Jameson came up with that. I I like it. It is um, it's not bad. It's different. It is, it's better than so i talked to her a little bit last night and she pitched me one of them and i i laughed really hard but i couldn't bring myself to say it on here and it's not i mean you guys need to work on it but you'll get better <laughs> i don't know i just find it fun looking for these cute little food names to give you an... keep going it's fine well we should be keeping a running log to see how many there are right am i actually i'd have to go back and check them because i have not wrote them down she keeps going have you tried this yet and i'm like i honestly don't remember most of these were off the top of my head till just recently. They were off the top of your head. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I dedicate time and effort into excellence. <laughs> I call you the excellence of execution, but your name's not Brett. So that is true. So this week, I want to talk about sustainable communities because here in Michigan, it's starting to get a little warmer. We're starting to move towards spring. People are starting to look for things to do. I'm pretty lucky because I've got people messaging me going, hey, I found this organization in town. I'm going to start helping this organization. So I know people are starting to move around looking for things to do for sustainability. What I didn't realize is when I started to research, quote unquote, sustainable communities is no one knows what it is. It's kind of a different concept. You Google it, you get some weird information. Okay. So what I, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go first. So what I did last night is I sat down as if I was the first person ever to think of it and just started coming up with what it takes to have a sustainable community. I guarantee in the few hours that I was working on this, I did not get it all. But because I was online looking for the ideas, it was pretty surprising. This show was supposed to be purely about sustainable communities, but it's now going to be more about what I didn't find online. Okay. Well, what didn't you find online? Like we need details. We need, we need answers. If you keep leaving me hanging, I'm going to go make food. 
when you start looking up sustainable communities, all they're doing is regurgitating the basic understandings of sustainability. There isn't a citizen-centric, eco-centric system in place for people to roadmap a sustainable community. Some sites just gave you, oh, they recycle. Other sites say, you know, different things. It was, it was not, there was nothing all encompassing. Well, it's not going to be all encompassing because let's get two things straight here. If Google is good at one thing, it's greenwashing. So what you're talking about is what I call Google greenwashing because there is no actual, you know, definitive answer. But also if there was an answer, if there was a way this had been roadmapped already, then there'd be more progress made. One of the biggest issues we have with this kind of stuff is that no one, no one is able to take themselves out of their their personal bias and be objective and actually work on this stuff properly. It always ends up going down to um, campaign funds and money and all this crappy political jargon because very few people actually look at it the way it needs to be look, looked at as a humanitarian thing. It's always political. It's always, always politics. So I say we take the politics out, we get to the roots of it and figure out what we can do to make a community sustainable and how realistic it is going to be, what's kind of scale we're talking. Let's, let's, let's break it down. And, and while we're doing that, I'm going to think of some weird name for you. So uh, stay tuned for that. Okay. Well, it's, I, it's funny. I found what some call a definition, okay. but all, all they did was try to fancy up the general accepted definition of sustainability. What I found online was a a sustainable community manages its human, natural, and financial capital to meet the current needs while ensuring that adequate resources are left for future generations, which is just a prettied up version of the standard definition for sustainability. Now, but that doesn't tell people much of anything. If they were looking for, let's say they were moving and looking for a more sustainable community to live in, or there's someone like me who wants to constantly scrutinize everything and see where we can make little tweaks and changes so that our town itself becomes more sustainable. And none of that comes from the, the fancy attempt to be wordy. Well, I agree. None of it comes from fancy wording. Words are... How do I word this? Words are the tools to appease the masses. People use elegant speak to smooth things over when they don't have action to support it it's the best way i can put it there there are more uh abrasive ways i could explain that but i'm trying not to swear so i won't very good by the way jamie was coming up with names that had swear words and i told her that we only have swearing in the show when you've been drinking that's not entirely true i've sworn two or three times (laughs) only once was tipsy nick the other ones were just me getting on a rant and losing my sense of um, self but also with that being said the one she had told me i loved i just can't say it (laughs) for for two reasons it's 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 not true and it's a naughty word yes yes and this is a family friendly environment you don't it it tries to be I'm trying I'm trying not to ruin it Michael that's all. Okay. So some of the characteristics I started to come up with, okay? Cuz again, there was no there was no roadmap to this conversation. So mm-hmm. what we're getting today is what Mike believes is the primary focus of creating a sustainable community, okay? Mm-hmm. The first thing is that the organization, the city, they have to promote physical and mental health throughout their city. They have to it has to be a healthy living style type city. And that's what you see when you get walkable cities where people have more options than just driving or situations where you have all the things you need 
in one small area. Complete Streets talks about accessibility, and that's one of those pieces, is that everything you need to be a healthy person is within walking and biking distance from where you've started. Does that make any sense? It does. So these are the kind of actions that promote a more physical lifestyle, because if you have the opportunity to walk or ride a bike and it's easier than taking vehicles or parking is moved away from the things that you want to go to, which still requires some walking and or biking, then people are more physically fit just by default because of the uh, the additional movement. And, And for mental health, a lot of times just getting outside helps quite a bit. So that was one of the aspects I thought was very important to the planning part of a city. Well, I think that I've said this time and time again throughout you know the couple of years we've been doing this that uh, a big part of our world isn't centered around you know the people that are living in it. Unfortunately, anymore everything is you know space so far apart. You need cars for everything, and nothing's encouraged to be more localized. And I think that that's part of the reason we have so many problems. And I think things are when they're when they're thought about you know in the planning stage, like you know, hey, we maybe we should like you're talking about make it walkable, livable, make it place you actually want to be that that actually brings you joy to experience. I think the community does better like that. I think it's a better place to raise kids. It's a better place to live, and you know. I, I guess I don't really know where I was going with that statement. I'm just going to say, yeah. Well, and I think that's a good characteristic of a long-term sustainable community is promoting the health of the community. You know, fresh air and movement is a good thing for most people. The The next thing is that this tends to fall into debate. I, I don't believe it's a debatable uh, point at, right now, but the city or town or whatever the organization is, that is creating this sustainable community has to also promote economic prosperity. Now they have to do it without degrading the environment, but they do have to, in, in a world where economics runs uh, just about everything, like you said earlier, the answer to everything is who's going to pay for it. You have to promote economic advancement without the degradation of the environment around you. And I think that's an extremely important part because a lot of cities invest a ton of money into things that destroy the environment around them, thinking that that prosperity is good. And maybe it is at the time, but when that, when that heyday is over, all they're left is with desolation. When those businesses leave and the, and the brownfields remain, that is not long-term sustainability. So that is why this is on the list. They still have to find a way to keep the residents at a good economic level to keep the life quality there, just like we talked about in the last show for poor tax. Finances do play a part in personal sustainability. It does for the the cities and towns too. Well, I think it, it does very much. And unfortunately, money's tied to everything. It's tied to growth and it's you know tied to hardship and pain. And if we're going to do these kinds of projects, if we're going to try to make initiatives to increase the quality of life, we need to try to do it in a fiscally responsible way, but also realize that sometimes you actually have to spend money to improve things to get the better outcomes you're looking for. My One of my things that I, it breaks my heart is that not only is there an absence of these, these like sustainability, the oh Lord have mercy, Nicholas, not only is there an absence of these sustainable areas, but also you really have to explain to people why they're justified. Like when you say, I want to make the city more livable, like they literally don't get it. They just like, why? Mm-hmm. Because they're so used to like how bad things are. And I'm not saying they're horrible, but they could always get better. Could always be more enjoyable. 
Well, there's a, a whole segment of people who, who truly believe that you have to destroy everything around you to have the money to be happy. That's why, that's why we hear people all the time wanting new production plants, which generally leave a brownfield when they're done. They just see it as, well, this will last my lifetime. Don't really care what happens after that. Because they believe that the financial gain is going to be bigger than any negative aspect. But I think we've seen, you and I are uniquely placed where we can see it in Flint, where that's not how that works. It can almost destroy cultures. It can destroy the grounds of, of a place. It can... Business owners come and go, heartache along with the closings of businesses when those when those companies leave. There's a ton of things that happen if you are not planning sustainable long term. I completely agree with that. I also think that there's too many communities and and have banked on let's say like a, a factory or something, you know, being the the cornerstone of of the of their area. And then when those companies leave and and all of a sudden it's like ripping the foundation out. Now there is no sustainability in the area because there's no finance, no money coming in, which means there's no taxes being paid and it's it's a huge problem. And I don't think people ever think about that stuff. They just think about jobs, but jobs are they move and you have to be able to survive without it. And I, I see it a lot. And you're right. Being with Flint, Saginaw, there's lots of areas around us that have greatly been devastated over the last couple of decades by this very thing. Well, you hear me complain about politicians only making decisions within the political cycle and not long term because they're not rewarded for doing so. And that's what happens in our towns and cities. They can be the person who brought this business and all these jobs, but they're long gone when they brought that business and some of those jobs and all of the destruction that came along with it. So in a sustainable community, you have to have a balance there. There has to be economic growth for the, for the citizens, but not at the expense of the city itself, which kind of brings me into my next one. And that's when you design the city, it should ease people. Traffic should not be fast. It should be slow. It should be minimized. The nature should be infused into the design. We should feel comfortable, shade, relaxation. You know, these are things that we should have from our living environment. It should, you know, it's one of the things I liked about Hawaii. They always say they're on Hawaiian time, but it really is just a casual, relaxed living. There's been years, I would say, since at least the early 80s that unless you were moving at 200 miles an hour and you were the fastest worker you've ever seen, you're just a bad person. Like we have really changed, we've damaged our culture, making work the focal point instead of living. And the cities should be a focal point of living. Hmm. I agree with that. I I guess I, I don't know what the right, I, I guess Mike, when I'm, when I'm, I keep losing my words. I don't know the best way to move forward I, I i see the things you've done in duran that i think it's amazing and i think you, there are so many wonderful steps that can be taken but like how do you how do you convince the public how do you show them the the benefits of these of these changes how do you make a case for yourself essentially how do you build a sales pitch for making people healthier and happier well well the, the first thing is is i'm super lucky because i didn't have to do crap really i've done a little bit of the stuff but we have a, a group of people who put in tons of effort including mayor jeff but you can't convince anybody what you have to do is sell that vision on a small core of people so that you just go do it 
that's where edible landscape came in you remember all the negative we just did it there's almost no negative now because they see it working i feel the same way about a couple of other initiatives we're working on number one i want free internet downtown that is one of the things that i'm working on with the chamber as we speak to be able to take the 100 and 200 block just the main areas there and make it free wi-fi so that people working from home in the summertime can come down to our small parks park areas that were built and the the rocking chairs in the downtown space and just work from downtown if they want to they'll walk in and get a coffee or swing over and get lunch while they're there much more comfortable than at, at home mm-hmm. especially if we're call, if we're starting to calm the traffic and it's quiet and all there all there really is is birds chirping and people talking the the focus is getting little pieces done i still want water we have food downtown now i need water that's another one that people push back on because well you just want people to get free water even though they're not paying their bill i don't really care water is what what people need for life when they walk their dogs the dog needs water when they walk down the street over these long distances they can refill a water bottle water is important it's part of life the, the biggest part of stopping that criticism or getting people on your side is reminding them that their response is based out of conditioning over the last 20 years to get mad when someone gets something. That's not how a community works. A community works amongst themselves, helps each other, and is intertwined in all different ways. I always find it funny because the people who say communities aren't what they used to be get really mad when you try to create initiatives to put communities back where they used to be. You know, okay, you're right. And those are the same people that if you talk to my personal, always talk about how their lives always changed when their grandparents passed away, like everything fell apart, nothing was the same. It's because they haven't stepped up to take that role. What communities change because the, the senior leaders either pass away or move on and no one adopts the responsibility. Right. And if, you change, if, you help, you have to help change the culture to create a, a internal need to be responsible. You, it you is, really have to. It, that is what's going on. Jeff, as mayor, feels responsible for everything in this town. Every council member feels responsible for everything that happens in this town. The chamber, a lot of our organizations, the DDA, we take it upon ourselves because what we do is a reflection of the town and the city. So that is the buy-in. And as long as you've got a core of people bought in, the rest kind of come along for the ride, good, bad, or indifferent. And then once something happens in a positive light for them, either them or a family member, then they start to buy in. That's why do is greater than say is like this thing that I want to throw everywhere. Because if we only did what everybody agreed on, we would do nothing. So we just do the good things and let everybody catch up to us later. Well, I think that when it comes to communities, one of the biggest benefits you get from doing, from setting the example, if you are a good self-starter, is that if people are anything, they're herd animals and they don't like going against the grain. And that sounds worse than what it really means, but it's pretty practical. If everyone's doing something fun, you instantly want to be included and do that fun thing. If everyone is doing something that sucks, you grit your teeth and do it because it you think it has to be done. For those of you who disagree, you pay your taxes. The fact of the matter is, if your community is doing something, if you see if you see your neighbors doing it and, and they're on a do it on a regular basis and they're not they're not whining and moaning and they're not complaining about throwing fits and they're, and they're, and they're being productive and they're positive about it, no matter what it is, you're instantly instantly gonna be inclined to do it. You're not gonna have to be persuaded to help. You're just going to. Yeah. It's 
it, okay, so here's a, here's a terribly selfish way to explain this. Whenever I get invited to anything with my daughter's like little girlfriend group with the basketball team or dance, I instantly start doing a head count of dads. Like, okay, where's my team? And once I see them, I'm happy to go to it. But when I realize if I, if I think I'm going to be the only one, it's a, I'm a lot more apprehensive. It's a lot more difficult to find the, the ambition to want to go and, and muddle through it. Not to say it doesn't need to be done whenever the task is at hand. It's just no one really likes to be alone. Very few people are okay to be the only one. But those people are the people we actually need in there because they set the foundation. They plant the roots, if you will, for everyone else to want to be there. So, yes. Yeah. It, sustainable communities function together. And that's where the next part is. The design for the city or that community has to be citizen-centric. You've heard me say it over and over and over again. It's a cool term. But mm-hmm. it but, but it really does have to be built for the people that live there. That's where Edible Landscape Project came into play. That's where the free Wi-Fi or the the water distribution sites, all these different things are designed to be supportive to the community that supports the town or city. And that's that's the next thing, is that each of these places should be designed around the bulk of the people. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we we accommodate for those who can't who can't who don't have the mobility. We accommodate for those who do. And that built environment will bring people in because it's a comfortable space with the things that that humans need. And that's that's part of that whole creating a community that functions within sustainability. Yes, there's recycling and yes, there is waste reduction, taking our uh, leaves and organic waste and turning it into black gold dirt. Those things are still part of it. You know, it is it is one of those things in the town or city that is very important too. Don't get me wrong. But there's underlining aspects. The roots of the community have to be a certain way. It has to be safe for both wildlife and humans. But I will tell you, safety is a result that when you have walkable towns and cities, you have comfort spaces, you have places for people, and you have the amenities they need. The town is safe because people are in the town. The eyes are there. You don't have to have a ton of police officers in Durand when we only have 3,200 people. There's only so many that fit downtown. And when we do have large events, there isn't crime because there's so many people watching. So it kind of, that part, safety, tends to solve itself. Other than things like, I want traffic calming. I want adequate space between motor vehicles and pedestrians. I, When I think safety, I don't even think crime. Because in these designs, there's very little of it. I think of vehicles. Vehicles tend to cause the biggest problem to safety. And that's why less of, if, if less of them are there, the safer, quieter, and honestly better smelling your town is. I 100% agree. I think that when it comes to safety, um, vehicles do pose the biggest threat. Well, really, it's not so much vehicles as people's inability to pay attention to where the vehicles are. So it's a combination of both. But uh, I don't ever consider, like, we've been in this house for, I don't know, two months now. I don't lock the doors. Heather does. Heather locks them every night. But I, if a community is strong, you don't see... A, a very large amount of crime. I'm not saying there aren't bad people that do bad things. I mean, that that's going to happen. But when you have a community that looks out for each other, you know, they, they pay attention, they are helpful. And 
open-minded to new things, they generally protect their own. And when I say their own, I don't mean their family. I mean their community. I mean they are they are they're like you know what's the phrase? Um, uh, one rope breaks, but multiple ropes are strong. It's like it's just a, it's like a knot. And I love the idea of the like the phrase "it takes a village." That's kind of what that means. Like everything takes everybody. Right. And that is beautiful. And it's also, you know, kind of cliche, but it's true when it's needed. So it's, it's, you know, I, I love it. I love it so much, Michael. Well, it wasn't cliche in the past and it did take a village and everybody worked together. When I did a burnout in my truck at the corner, dad knew before I got to the house, everybody communicated and worked together to make sure their community was safe. And it, and it, and it helped it more than it hurt. Where now it's it's a uh, quite often a group of individuals, and that's what I'm kind of fighting, and that's where sustainability can step in. Because if you want sustainable communities, you're going to have to talk to your neighbor. When people walk, they wave and talk to each other. When people ride their bikes, they stop, they chat. That's one of the reasons why that is so important. The fact that we moved our concert series to the downtown space, and now hundreds of people show up and hang out those days. That is a community building event because everybody is interacting with each other. Same thing with all these like little festivals that instead of being off in a field, we're down, you know, downtown, the chamber does amazing work with thinking about how do we take an event and make it more interactive? How do we get more people talking to more people and more organizations talking to our citizens? That is how community, the fibers of a community strengthen. You, have, you really do have to be focused on creating a space, a space where people can communicate and a space where people can relate to each other. Because right now, the vast majority of people judge each other based on the show they put on social media. And if they're, if they're one side or the other, it can create animosity when you haven't even spoke to them. I think that a way to explain that is you're trying to create a home. And I, I don't necessarily mean a home inside of four walls, but I mean a, a grander scale. You should feel comfortable enough to go downtown and talk to your neighbors. And, and I don't mean, you know, tell them the deepest, darkest secrets, but say good morning, hang out. You know, if you're walking down and someone's cleaning brush out. You want to stop and help. Like you should have that level of comfort. There shouldn't be this awkward. Uh, I'm only going to say hi. They say hi to me first. And. You kind of it kind of has to start with with community in terms of uh, the way people treat each other. And I agree, social media is as much of a gift as it is a curse. It is it, on one hand, it has wonderful things that allow you to keep in touch with your family and loved ones and old friends. On the other hand, it is it is a giant uh, peacocking um, exhibit where you might let's say your car breaks down and you get and you get a rental. Well, oh, why is your rental nicer than your car? There's 500 pictures of that rental up there. Like it's, and I'm not saying everyone does that, but like I've seen some Instagrams that are kind of ridiculous. Like, Hey, I work with that person. I know that's not what they live like. It's just, it's outlandish. And it's, but when you see that and you instantly have that judgment, you're making decisions on someone you actually know in life before you ever get to really know them. And those decisions aren't fair. Well, they're not fair to, to that person. And they're not fair to any interaction you may have with them in the future. Anything that could involve both of you is now going to be jaded based on a predetermination you made off BS you've seen online. And that is a, that's a, it's a tragedy, man. It's, it's horrible. And it's, it's really crappy in the notion that uh, it is so prevalent in today's world. Yeah. And I, 
I see it as a insecurity moment when I see people I know really trying to sell something that isn't where they're at. Um, what that tells me is I need to just reach out and go do something with them for the day kind of thing. You know, just kind of you as a person is okay. You know, and but I think a lot of people don't talk to a lot of people because of the persona that they portray online, that when you put them in a community sitting side by side, after a while, they realize that's just another person living their life. And it changes the whole profile of the relationship. And that's where communities get stronger. I completely agree with that. I, I think that the oh, how do I word this? The assumptions you make amongst your own thoughts uh, on other people, whether they be out of fear, insecurity, or just sheer animosity based on some crap you've seen online, have a real bad habit of affecting the way you function in the real world. There's lots of people, and I'll, 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 do, I'll explain this. I am one of those first impressions kind of everything to me um, until they're not. So, like, if your first impression with me was short, like, short and rude and you were not agreeable in a sense that we got into an argument or something, if that doesn't get smoothed out, I will unintentionally hold a grudge forever. And I don't realize I'm doing it, but when someone brings their name up, I'm like, oh, I can't stand that guy. And then I go on a little rant and then I have to realize that, well, what if that guy just had a bad day? What if it's just one bad, one bad time and they're not a bad person? And so as a person, like I have to work on that kind of stuff. And if, and if I'm guilty of that, I know I can't be the only one. No, I think it's human nature at times, but it, it is two things. We want to build perspective so that, like you said, maybe it was a bad day. Or so I always tell everybody when someone's mean to you, buy them lunch. It's hard to keep, uh, keep the fight going when you're sitting at a free meal. The, the other aspect is, is that we need to have a built environment that encourages interaction. So when I look at sustainable communities or even organizations, they need to have this interwoven, consistent interaction amongst the citizens or and or members to build that strength. Because it's just like, you know, we're all individuals till a tragedy happens and everybody shows up and stands lock arm. Well, we can kind of do that anyways. And the strength in that group and the numbers in that group grows the more time they spend together. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I think that's one of the biggest pieces to creating a sustainable community. Now, yes, I want wildlife integrated. I want the ability to feel like I'm in a park when I'm downtown. I want trails and gardens and all these things that honestly increase your quality of life and length of life. But I also need to make sure that people are interacting. You know, they're they're stopping in at your lo- your local businesses. They're just stopping to chat. I love it when people come in to dabble and just hang out for a little bit and chat with me. It's just part of building that community. And that's why this show became what it was. I expected to find some roadmap that told me what to tell everybody. And there wasn't one. There isn't a roadmap. Some cities decide that they're sustainable because they run high recycling rates. Some cities do it because they follow complete streets. But really, a truly sustainable community integrates all of these pieces into one. 
I, I agree with that. I think the reason you couldn't find an answer is, is primarily the fact that because the answer relies in, in the individuals that live in the community and stepping up and doing their part and, and, and realizing that they, they have a role to play and that they are to some, to some degree, even a very small degree, kind of at fault for allowing it to stay the way it is. Now, and I'm not blaming everyone in the world. I know that sometimes you're just born into something and you have no effect on how I got there, but that's what you're born into. But you, just because you did not cause the problem does not absolve you of the responsibility to influence the change. So if you are raised in a town and, and like, I, you know, before I moved to Montrose, I wanted to be the mayor. I wanted to have more of a role there. Um, I'm sorry, before I moved out of Montrose, I wanted to influence change in the town because when I was a kid, I loved living there. But as an adult now, we had very little then. There's even less to do there now. The town is just a dead zone. And I wanted to see change. I still want to see change. I just no longer live there. I want to see it grow. I want to see it flourish and the town to be happy and people to walk down the road with smiles and walking dogs. And I hope to God it gets there someday. And any any opportunity I have, I'm going to be a part of that. But it starts with the people. It starts with a few people that are driven and have the um, open-mindedness to be willing to put themselves out there and, and try to push the change and influence change, set the, you know, become the trendsetters, if you will. And then it's the other side of it is the rest of the people joining. It has to start with the people. Yeah. And every single person who's listening to this show right now has the ability to help create that change. I know a lot of times it looks like I did a lot of things. I've done very little. The community who rallied around some of these ideas through the leadership of Mayor Jeff Brands mm -hmm. have really moved the mark. I just talk about what these things are doing in the inside the community. I have the smallest role other than spreading it to other communities. So anyone, anyone can start to make those changes where they live just through action by grabbing a few friends and doing something. You'd be amazed how quickly everybody knows who you are if they saw you every Saturday cleaning streets. Well, at this first, is, sorry, but, go on. At first, they think you're doing community service, but, you know, after a while, they know that you're just choosing to do it. Well, there's a serious lack of orange. I mean, it's not like you're in jail. <laughs> but um, I would say that, yeah, if you're out there and you're doing stuff on a regular basis and it just, it, like, let's say you're, you're doing the, the landscaping, working on some of the flower beds and you're, you know, weeding them and stuff, people are going to walk by, you're going to say hello. And when, when, the, when there's a level of comfort and openness, they'll stop and they'll chat with you. And then well, it takes five seconds to make a friend. I'm not saying like a best friend, but I, you know, hey, that's Bob or hey, that's John or hey, that's Mike. Like you'll you'll know their name and you'll have a little story of how you met. And next thing you know, you're meeting for coffee. And like it, these things start at such a small, like 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 a plant. The seeds are so tiny and so simple. You can't disregard what a five second gesture of kindness and friendship can can do. That's mm -hmm. the seed that if you plant. And you water it, it blooms into the most beautiful flower. And yes, I'm using a lot of puns and a lot of analogies, but they're all true, man. I have cultivated some of the best relationships over the years off of five-second joke and then a conversation at the grocery store that just kind of happened. You know what I mean? And then next thing you know, I am networked with this person and we're realizing we have lots in common and we have common work interests and common friends and we do the same projects and like it just you know it just cycles and cycles and cycles and maybe maybe that won't happen for you maybe you'll stop the chat with someone and you'll have nothing in common but you'll get along 
and they end up being the guy that always seems to save your butt. And every one of us has that guy. Every one of us has a friend that is like the antithesis of our life. Like he's a good guy, but he's into everything you're not. He has every tool you would never buy. And whenever you break something, he's the only one that knows how to fix it. Everyone has that guy or that gal. And if you don't, you're lying to yourself and you haven't had to use them yet, but they exist. And you only find those people by just being part of a community, talking, being open. Yeah, and it's easier to save when the community works together. We share. We work together. We share knowledge. We share tools. We do all these things, you know. So before I close us, I also want to remind everybody, we're midway through February. It's almost that time. Like, I'm about to start seeds for the Edible Landscape Project. It's time that if you're going mm-hmm. to do something, it's time, time basement that, jungle. It's, <laughs> it's time to start acting on what we've been saying for so long. So if you have plans or you have a project that you're needing to do, at least here in the Midwest, it's that time. It's time to start laying the groundwork. It's time to start getting the, per, the permissions, whatever project is out there that you're doing. And if you do one, send us photos, tell us about them, send us messages. I would love to have that interaction and conversation, but also possibly start throwing these projects up on the site because I think more people do when they see others doing. And I know we have an edible landscape project that's going to spring up in Arizona this year. There's possibly one happening in Maine, and this is all coming from what started in Durand. There's some seed exchanges and plant exchanges going on. I'm going to spend some time contacting the the local um, native plant store, which we have one here in Duran, to see where we can start integrating them into some of these projects to help some of the pollinators and local wildlife. You know, so I just wanted to remind everybody now, now is that time. We've, we, we should be kind of finishing up the planning part and starting to work towards the action. So that's all we had for you this week. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. Also, just so you know, as some things change on Realistic Sustainability or on the Greening Your Life page, you may start seeing some products. We have local creators and local crafters who like to to make things. I'm getting a fancy new reusable cup from Aaron that's going to be branded for Realistic Sustainability. It's going to be the Do is Greater Than Say logo. We're working on getting a local uh, individual for possibly doing T-shirts and hoodies and things of that nature. And before anybody says, yep, probably not the most sustainable overall, but it helps spread the message. And we are working to help create business for local and small business. So we are going to continuously add to that. And with that being said, I'm going to surprise Nick here when I say this is I'm also going to spend a little time start working on a Patreon so that we can either, you know, we can get some of these products out to people. If, if people subscribe to certain levels, then we can, we have special gifts that we can also give out. So keep your eyes open for, for things like that. If you believe realistic sustainability offers a little more value to your life, remember, you can always go to the website. You know, I'm going to beg for five-star reviews, but also you can donate directly to the show. We do greatly appreciate everybody who does that. And I already told you in the PSA in the past, the commercials are starting to come through. I'm reminding everybody, if you hear one that doesn't belong on there, we've blocked all the oil companies, we've blocked cigarette companies. But if someone sneaks through, let us know. 
and we'll try to make some changes to make sure that the the groups who do these commercials within these podcasts can exclude that company. Now, remember, we get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I am Nick. Yes, you are. And we will see you next week.